This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Partly sunny today, breezy with a high near 30. Mostly clear for tonight, low around 21. Friday will be sunny and a high near 49. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has approved a Democrat-drawn congressional map that gives the party a modest boost in a few battleground districts. The map approved yesterday comes as the party's candidates face a heavily contested election year in which House races in the state could determine control of Congress. Lawmakers in the Democrat-dominated State House approved the mapping bill on Wednesday in both the Senate and Assembly. Hochul signed it hours later. The lines are similar to the existing congressional map and a proposal drawn by the state's bipartisan redistricting commission. Yet they appeared far from the aggressive partisan gerrymander many expected after Democrats took control of the redistricting process. According to the Broome County District Attorney, Alan Holmes of Binghamton was sentenced to a second felony offender to attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. On June 7, 2021, Holmes was found in possession of approximately 50 grams of fentanyl following a traffic stop in Johnson City stemming from suspected drug activity at the Knights Inn in Endwell. Holmes admitted to possession with the intent to sell. He was sentenced to 6.5 years in New York State Prison, followed by three years of post-release supervision. The giant meat producer JBS was accused of making misleading claims about its greenhouse gas emission goals to boost sales among environmentally conscious consumers in a lawsuit filed by New York Attorney General James. The lawsuit filed Wednesday in a state court in Manhattan alleges that the company claimed it will achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, despite having no viable plan to meet that commitment. The lawsuit names as defendants JBS USA Food Company and JBS USA Food Company Holdings. A spokesperson for JBS and the company disagreed with James' actions. Aldi is taking steps to open its first grocery store in Tioga County. The company operates three units in Broome County with stores in Vestal, Johnson City, and Shenango Bridge. Aldi is proposing a store on Route 17C in the town of Owego. The project was discussed during a town planning board meeting Tuesday night. Representatives from Aldi attended the session to discuss safety, traffic, and parking issues related to the proposed store. They're seeking permission to demolish the former Treadway Inn Conference Center and a wing that had been added to the site to construct a 19,600-square-foot store. The original two-story hotel would be retained. The Tioga County Planning Board last week recommended approval of the proposed project. The Illegal Town Zoning Board of Appeals has scheduled a public hearing of the project for March 7th at 7 p.m., if all the receives needed local approvals, the store could be open by next January.
A New York appellate judge has refused to halt collection of Donald Trump's $454 million civil fraud penalty while he appeals. The decision leaves the former president less than a month to pay up or secure a bond covering the full amount he owes. Judge Anil Singh of the state's mid-level appeals court rejected Trump's offer of a $100 million bond. But the judge did offer Trump some leeway that could help him secure the necessary bond before the New York Attorney General James seeks to enforce the judgment starting on March 25th. A building that originally served as a supermarket in the Binghamton neighborhood is coming back to life as a banquet facility. Celebrations on Park is opening its doors this week as a venue for weddings, corporate events, and other gatherings. The 8,000-square-foot facility is located at 136 Park Avenue on the city's south side. The building opened as a Harris Food Lines grocery store in 1965. It later was home to a Knights of Columbus post. The owners have spent the past three years working to transform the unused building into a multi-use event center. The building was acquired from the Knights of Columbus in January of 2021. The facility can accommodate up to 250 seated guests with a maximum capacity of 350 people. The owners say the venue features a custom-crafted bar along with state-of-the-art sound and audio-visual equipment. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is Binghamton Now. For Thursday, February 29th, 2024. And we welcome you to the program. We'll be taking your phone calls shortly. So if you have things to say, this would be um, probably a good venue. We'll be taking calls until noon on Binghamton Now. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. Begin our program today with the ongoing saga involving Binghamton City Council. Welcome Hadassah Medovetsky, Kenya Middleton, and Rebecca Rathbelt to the studio. Thank you so much for coming into our beautiful studio. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, Bob, for having us. Isn't this an exciting time to be alive? It really is. Thank you. So let's... Let's talk. I don't even know where to begin because okay. we've done so much coverage this week yes. on um, the ruling that mm-hmm. many people have been waiting for for mm-hmm. weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess the biggest thing people 
need to know. We have been focusing on the 6th District on the mm-hmm. south side. And at least as of last night, I believe Phil Strawn was sitting mm-hmm. in the 6th District seat for the business mm-hmm. meeting. Was it accurate? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He, is, right. he was deemed the holdover. Yes, by right. Uh, right. The, uh, Justice our, McBride. Yeah, right. All right. And the overall ruling, of course, was that city council was correct that the charter rules over the state statute that the mayor was rolling with. So the mayor has absolutely no authority to appoint a city council member. So, it, and it and was a complicated... he illegally overstepped with it. So it was yeah. a complicated ruling. I mean, yes. people had to look at the various parts because the, just, yeah. the justice looked at all different aspects mm-hmm. about city charter right. and holdovers and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. The other thing, too, that uh, has been pointed out, the 6th District today is different than the 6th District that it's previously very, existed. Right. It's the very lines, different. Yeah. Yeah. And, this- and, and Rebecca Rathmill explained some of the changes. People who uh, had been living in other districts mm-hmm. are now part of the newly drawn 6th District. Right, the maps were redrawn at the end of 2022 and so the 6th District now includes what was previously portions of District 4 and District 5. So uh, there is, uh, it's an entirely new district. There's a significant percentage of voters who were members of other districts who did come out to vote in uh, this last election and deserve the same representation. So what happens now? Well, I, I, I want to I throw oh, in, yes. I mean, I think it's, it's um, a fun factoid that a former councilwoman, Aviva Friedman, was redistricted into District, District 6. six yeah. So there's actually... Um, multiple former council people that are it physically reside without moving in district six and that's really? that was one of the intriguing aspects i mean mm-hmm. what what occurs to me during the whole redistricting process or the way things were going um just because of the way things are now uh with i guess a lack of uh real vibrant journalism that whole process received very little, little coverage, public yeah. scrutiny right yes and I know from talking with uh, Joe Burns, he was frustrated Definitely. about the whole process. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, it, I think it came up once or twice on the program. But uh, outside of um, members of city council and certainly the mayor's office and, and people who really paid attention mm-hmm. to Binghamton city politics, mm-hmm. most people, I would say probably about 40,000 Binghamton residents were oblivious to what was happening. It was one of the conversations I had with several residents as I was knocking on doors who previously, they were under the impression they were either in the fourth or the fifth. And so that was news to many constituents this last year. And so the, the holdover aspect is difficult to understand. It is somewhat it's involved, it's complex, but it's difficult to understand with this particular ruling. I think the the primary win, as Hadassah said, it is clear and has been established that the city charter rules Oof, and that it was also difficult to, I think, understand when Mayor Cram sued city council mm-hmm. over my appointment in the beginning, mm-hmm. why he would be pursuing anything above local law, particularly because he is the executive representative of the city that local law governs. But and, and no, I just want to add something in there. I, um, before we were even sworn in, myself, uh, Hadassah, mm-hmm. and other city council members, we literally, uh, like, 
we tried every single thing we could before it even went to court because we did not want it to go to court. We we've thrown out so many options. We asked for maybe an opinion from the attorney general's office. So like we actively work together and I just want every listener to know that and every uh, person in the city of Binghamton to know. And when she says work together, we we We, all met with with the mayor before being sworn in. Before being sworn in, we met with him and we said, hey, we don't want to, we don't want to go to court. Is there a way we can figure it out without any of this? This way, it does not cost the taxpayers any money and we are fine. And we wanted it resolved before we were sworn in. Um, However, that did not happen. So I just, you know, I just want to reiterate that to let everyone know that that was not the goal to go to court at all because we wanted to come up with something reasonable and it wasn't given to us. Whereas it's it was stated from the beginning that, you know, you want to work together, but it has not been that way. So I just wanted to state that. Did it seem inevitable from those meetings that you were having with with Mayor Cram that it was ultimately going to go to court? I mean, um, from from the position he took in no, the no, not early. at the not at the beginning. Right. I just I just feel like um, sometimes people uh, they try to see what you are going to do first before they do something, and I honestly felt that that was the case. Like you know, we talked and talked, and we said, hey, can we, co- you know, can we come to an agreement? Okay, I'll let you know. Or this, this, and you know, it was just always kind of like not sh- not real answers. And we literally every single person we've had separate meetings because we did not want to go to court. Well, I mean, the, everything got triggered mm-hmm. because it was determined internally that there was, if there was a holdover, it was certainly very gray and that they couldn't comfortably legally claim a holdover, which is what triggered the mayor to a point, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting that in in the end, the, the judge found, found differently, and I'm not going to argue with the judge, no. um, but um, the, the starting point of everything unfolding was that within City Hall, they, they did not feel there was legal grounds for a holdover, which meant someone needed to appoint because we didn't want to have an open seat um, and not, have, not, and not have representation for the six. So that was the pressure. The, the lack of a holdover was the pressure on the mayor to appoint, right? And we, we cognizant of the city charter, did not believe he had the right to do that from the beginning. But we couldn't act first because of how things work, right? As an executive, the mayor can always move quicker than city council. We have to post with open meetings law, right? 24 hours of notice, get an agenda up. So we were unable to appoint first. In fact, as I recall, we received word that Phil Strawn had been sworn in, I think, at the Broome County Clerk's Office mm-hmm. at 1.30 in the afternoon. I don't think we received any advance word. I think right. maybe uh, an hour or so after right. he was sworn in, we received uh, a news release that that had happened. And then, of course, the Democrats and city council acted the following day, I believe mm-hmm. Friday evening, mm-hmm. to appoint Rebecca Rathmel to right. be the 6th District and, representative. And I also want to explain that we... We, you know, weren't allowed access to council to represent our view until the Wednesday before court, right? So we had to operate um, on our 
own legal understanding of the city charter without access to an attorney until approved by the mayor and corporation council. So does so, that so seem to you we, that we, we, we did counts? quite well as people who were just reading things as lay people um, versus going up against somebody who had consulted with five five, five paid attorneys mm -hmm. and and one uh, out you know uh, the New York Conference of Mayors mm -hmm. attorney. Um, no one. So, so we, just the way it was set up, your uh, your assertion is the council Democrats were at a disadvantage oh, over. Oh, absolutely, Mayor absolutely. absolutely. But absolutely. I mean, our, our plain reading of the city charter was was there. So and I ultimately, mean, and then it was that plain reading that stood in the ruling. So, right. so I think I mean one of the frustrations that we heard from several constituents in the sixth district as well is that they did not see. It. I mean, it was an honor to serve for the last two months and to be at every meeting and to to be at town halls and to be at neighborhood assembly i mean all of the six district meetings i've been attending for a long time but to represent at that table and every every single week we heard if it's so important that phil strawn is appointed to this role where is he and that was a that was an active frustration for constituents and that also was difficult to understand like this these six humans this city council is special and it was personally personally i'm disappointed absolutely it was a and I'm sad that I won't have the opportunity to continue to serve, but I you see will. that only temporarily. I will take will. that seat back in November. Yes, you will. But this, this city council, these six humans are committed. They're engaged. They're talking to residents. They've already held town halls. They've already proposed legislation. Like This council has already done more in two months than the previous sitting city council did in a decade. So I know... After the ruling came out earlier this week, mm -hmm. the council Democrats said they would reserve the right to pursue an appeal. Have, have the Democrats on council made a decision about possibly appealing the, the ruling? I mean, I, I feel like right now everything is still really new and we still have time. So we are not ruling out anything. We're just thinking about all of our options at this moment. So there is a, there is no yes or no. And we don't even know at this mo moment. All I What I do know is that all of us, uh, all six of us will agree on something. So that's the great thing, too, about us. Like, it's just not one decision, not one person rules. We all actively think about each other and we actively think about Rebecca, too, because she's a part of this also. So, um, you know, the main thing is making sure that we all agree on something and we have we have not yet agreed on anything. So that's that's just the main thing. You know, once we know, you know, everyone will know. But at the moment, like our, our main goal is the people of Binghamton first. So that's that's what we were um, elected to do uh, and serve people. So that is our main goal. Everything else and uh, the process um, will get done. But our main goal is to, to serve the people of Binghamton. On yesterday's program. We had a chance to speak for a few minutes with Phil Strawn. We also had a chance to speak for a few minutes with Mayor Cram. One mm -hmm. of the questions that came up with the mayor was how much is all this going to cost? And mm -hmm. obviously, we'll have to say the meter is still running because mm -hmm. things, the bills haven't been tabulated. But he said it's going to be tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really wish back in November he had gone for outside opinions from nonpartisan groups. Um, like the AG's office. He mm -hmm. had many months before any of this started mm -hmm. um, to act, and we reminded him of 
that those options, and we said we'd hold by them um, when when we were at the table with him. Um, and that's it. it we were not allowed to go to the AG's office because Corporation Council and the mayor have to be involved in that request. And we were, well, one, we weren't sworn in yet. And two, even if while sworn in, we didn't have the legal right to take that option. Only they did, and they did not take it. And in like in like uh, and like Hadassah said, and I said before, we literally ha we literally you know asked him, hey, can we not go to court? And that's it. Like that's just the bottom line. If he would have went and got an opinion from the AG's office, we would have took that and said, okay, whatever they agree with, that's it, and that's the final thing. Just like we're saying right now, even though we are disappointed with the judgment, we still know that at the end we won because city council does have the right to choose, but. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't understand that last part, but you still move on. And that's what we would have done if we would have went it's, with the AG's opinion. I mean, as we've stated, the, the district, it, I think it is a logical, yeah. plain view that it is a new district, it given is. how extreme the it redistricting is. is. And I'm, yeah. Rebecca Rathmill, one thing that you've made crystal clear is you're planning to run in November special Absolutely. election. Absolutely. That, I mean, sitting at that seat felt right. It continues to be right in my head and I will pursue taking that seat back in November. And for people who didn't hear our chat with Phil Strawn yesterday, seems like he's leaning to running in November, but he hasn't made a, a final decision. I mean, he has, obviously he has lots of things to think about too. So it's not, not a guarantee that the special election will set up a rematch of what happened last November. I think what matters is that the 6th District is represented by someone who is committed to being engaged and actually committed to connecting with constituents. During public comment at last night's business meeting, we heard constituents represent, they emailed multiple times, never got a response from Phil, never got a phone call returned, never got a resolution considered. Again, this city council and the six current members and myself with them for the time that I was able to scheduled town halls. We're meeting daily with constituents. That is the work of this office and public service. And that is who should be sitting in the seat come November, not someone who just can't decide one way or the other if they're really all that interested. And I, I, I mean, I, I want to jump in on this redistricting stuff. We were talked, touched on it at the beginning, and, and it goes to what Rebecca is saying about um, the importance of reaching out and being there for residents. Um, previously, we had a South Side West and a South Side East. South Side West, which is my home base, right? That's that's my my zone. Um, is highly organized, right? We have this, the Southside Neighborhood Assembly is made up predominantly of people from Southside West. I love that organization. I've been involved with them for ages, even when I was a renter on the corner of Kendall and Rush, right? I've I've been involved with that group. They're wonderful. Um, Southside East is not highly organized and and if That's you're my listening home, my and, home base <laughs> and if you're if you're from Southside east this is a please please get organized um, oh we yeah we are and we will and we'll continue right. to but to, to hadassah's point it's different right so now um Southside west which is organized people understand how the how to interact how to get their represent representatives to move things forward and help them with their issues they now have with this redistricting two city council members that they can reach out to, right? I mean, not the exact same people, but that area, right? That already was getting quite good representation historically. And Southside East now has 
two representatives, except those people are going to be chasing after a lot of the issues on Southside West, you're never going to say no to a constituent. I'm never going to say no to a constituent. I value every resident that reach, reaches out to me. Absolutely. But, but you could see how the more organization could add more, uh, more aid to Southside West and continue to, to make it um, challenging for people on Southside East. And we need people in city, until this, these lines can be put back, um, we need people in those seats that are going to proactively go after Southside East issues, reach out to residents and make sure that they're getting what they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, just because they're not organized, they still deserve yeah. Good, every, good every, counsel. That's right. And, ev and everyone definitely deserves it. I mean, like I said before, and I keep saying this, Binghamton is number three in poverty. And we really have to work together. It does not matter if you are a Republican or Democrat. There is no reason why we should not be working together for the city of Binghamton. And I do know that um, about council, uh, you know, our city council, we're all Democrats, but we are on different spectrums of um, being a Democrat. And we all literally work together for that. Yeah. This is Binghamton Now. We're talking with the city council president, Hadassah Medvedsky, also the council majority leader, Kenya Middleton, and Rebecca Rathbell, who was the Democratic challenger in the November election in the 6th District. One thing that I want to shift uh, to is uh, an urgent matter that's uh, going to affect the people south side east with mm -hmm. the impending closing of the y store two days from now yes. and i know from talking with people in that part of binghamton i know this is a huge thing there's been a, a yes. store there for 60 years yes. mm -hmm. and so for many decades it was giant i believe for the last 15 years it's wise mm -hmm. and then this tradition of six decades of having a neighborhood store there yeah. is coming to an end in right. about 48 hours. Yeah, and, and so we, many constituents are really concerned, and I would go as far as to say scared mm -hmm. of not being yeah. able to access food. Not so many of our residents on Southside East and that part of town rely on the opportunity to walk mm -hmm. to that store. They don't have access to personal transportation. They can't make the round trip, multiple round trip um, bus options. They can't pay for a taxi. This is a huge hit to the neighborhood mm -hmm. and when we held the town hall two weeks ago, that was the con that was the constant thread yeah. from constituents. We are working to try to identify alternatives, but that store is closing this weekend. It's certainly as urgent as you presented it to be. And 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 uh, you know, people gave um, ideas and transportation. You on BC Transit, you can only use uh, you can only bring on three bags. It's a it's a hazard if you are bringing on three bags, and if you have a family of four or five. How can you feed a family with three or four bags on a bus trip? And, you know, it's not everyone has a luxury. I think people need to understand that. Like, I'm blessed. I can get in, my, I can get in a car and drive to wherever I can. But other people can't do that. Or they have mobility issues. I mean, right now, I know we're actively working on ways to try to fix this. Um, my current job, I work with food insecurity. And we're thinking of ways and ways to help as a temporary solution but the people on the south side deserve more and they deserve the best everyone deserves the best in Binghamton but um, we are actively working to get to get to that to help the people yeah. and, uh, on that side of town and I'm, I always want to point out where 
we're able to work together, right? You know, people don't want to just hear about fighting and yes. arguments and disagreements. Well, and that, that's and the thing. So Too often on almost any issue these days, small right. issues and big issues, too often things seem to devolve into, right. well, we we can't find any common ground. Right. And let's we face can. it, but, but in this, Binghamton, this is, we should be able to can. find this, common and this, ground. And this issue, I mean, I, I, the, when I got a call um, from a resident over at Saratoga telling me that um, she had heard you broke the news to, she, that that the Wise Grocery was closing, and I was I hadn't heard about this. I I was like, what? And I was like, that can't be true, right? And so then I'm googling it. It didn't come up. She's like, no, it was on Bob Joseph. So I said, search for Bob Joseph. So your article copped. I'm like, okay, it's really happening. So my my first call, I called Kenya uh, because she is <laughs> very involved in food insecurity, as she said, you know, uh, managing a. Greater Goods Grocery. Dip, and that, where, that's our, the thing uh, for our listeners who yeah. aren't familiar. I mean, you're yeah. working Kenya on the and north side. And I called side the mayor. Yeah, with, so, yeah. You yeah, know, so an I, option yeah. that, that has helped the people in that north side yes. neighborhood. Yes, since, and, we, yeah. and we just launched a new program, which is the Greater Good Grocery Store bus. And we we're hoping to maybe put that bus in the parking lot as something for right now. So that way people will have access to fresh fruits and meats and everything that they would need. So yeah. that's and we'll keep options. our listeners posted, Please, too, you. because so as much. moving forward, I'm sure it'll be a work in progress with uh, private organizations working with the city and perhaps yes. maybe even Broome County. County. I could, yes. could see, yeah. uh, you know, some cooperation been, to help the people in that part of the South Side. And yeah, we've been talking with every layer, every level of government, um, you know, city, county, uh, state and even federal. Um, so we every conversation, anytime there's interactions between us and any level of government, you know, the uh, Veterans Center groundbreaking, which was another one of these great um, nonpartisan, bipartisan, whatever you want to call it, um, events, um, we were able to uh, to raise up. You know, those are interact social interactions. Hey, what's going on with this? What can we do? How how can we push things um, forward? Um, we're looking at all all three types of options, obviously. The most ideal would to be to get another grocery store in there. I can't, you know, promise that. I don't own that land. Yeah. I can't rent that property. Well, I, I don't have that control. The one, the um, one thing that... But that needs, would be the ideal. The one thing but, that needs to be noted is the Akel family, which continues to own the property. Wise yes. had continued mm -hmm. to lease the property for the last 15 and I, I've years. I've gone to their offices multiple times. They have my business card. They know they can reach out to me. Um, and they know they can reach out to the city. We're, we're eager if they're willing to talk to us. And the good news I've, I've is... I've been there twice. I the invited them to the town hall as well. I mean, what, what occurs to me, because they have worked with so many different retailers, including yeah. Aldi, mm -hmm. they, they work to uh, bring the new Aldi in Johnson City, mm -hmm. um, I think it was about two years ago. So at least they yeah. have... Mm -hmm connections with, with Aldi. And I don't know, now Mayor yeah. Cram yesterday said, given what Aldi's yeah. business model is yeah. and the traffic count they yeah. want for a store, yeah. Yeah, they might we, not think yeah, that it's appropriate I mean, there. And, and one of the things we talked about is maybe bringing the greater good on the north side, maybe something like that, that model to the south side because it's right. moving and it, like we try to be very positive. So we're hoping maybe we can do something like that on that side of town. I, I think what, what people need to realize and even in the grocery business and like uh, Mayor Cram said yesterday, you have to, in order for any um, corporation to come in, you have to have a certain, they want a, a certain traffic count. They want to make sure that if they're bringing their corporation or their business in, that there's going to be enough people 
for them to come in. So I think that's probably one of the issues with anything now. And I know, like, working in the grocery store business right now, it is very hard. Groceries are very expensive. There's places like Walmart and Target, just big corporations where they can buy things in bulk and they have their own warehouse. So they're allowed to charge, you know, they can charge those low prices for things. Whereas a store like mine, we don't have that big access yet because we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. But um, we don't have <laughs> we don't have the access where you can, you know, buy the big, big bulks things right. for cheap. So I think that's one of the things right. with rising cost and different things like people are really weighing that out. But we know that people need to have access to these things and they deserve it. Right. And every neighborhood deserves so, that. So obviously the ideal would be get groceries right there where people want them. I mean, people talk to us about actually buying houses in the South Side so they could age in place, right? Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't need to be dependent on a car even if they have a car right now. I mean, there's all sorts of different people in this situation. But we do have to look at the other options because we can't guarantee that and we can't guarantee that in a certain time frame. Um, So we're, we're also looking at the transportation, how do we get people to groceries? And we're also looking at how, if we can get groceries to people without having a store. So we're looking at all the options. We're talking with everybody. Um, We're including the mayor, right? We are are talking regularly with everybody who can do something about this. And to be continued, we'll keep our listeners in the loop. As, as things move forward and hopefully yeah. a solution can yeah. be and, developed soon. Yeah, and, Yes, and also if anybody has any ideas, anything they yeah. can think of, please reach out to us. We yeah. are very um, easy to, to get in touch with. You can look on the website. You can call us at right. any time. We will always pick up. You can send an email. We will right. always respond. Um, we are all better together, and this is how we right. all learn. So just because we represent certain districts, that doesn't make us a genius and we don't know everything. So we're just here representing. So please reach out to us. Yeah. And, and um, if you want to be your comments to be read into the record, you can always email clerk at city of Binghamton.gov. Um, even if you don't have transportation to come to a city council meeting, we want to keep the pressure on, especially on this issue so that, you know, I can, I, I have a binder going um, and we're printing out all the ones that are mailed in. It's something that I can visually show people at different levels of government like this is how these constituents are are crying out this is this is real stories hadassah medovetsky kenya Middleton, rebecca rathmill thank you so oh, much for being you. with thank us you today so thank you so much for having us and look forward to having each of you back in the studio along with other council members and of course mayor cram Everybody gets to speak on yeah. Binghamton now. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Coming up, we'll be taking your phone calls. I'm Bob Joseph on this Thursday morning. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. First is It's a little bit funny This feeling inside I'm not one of those Who can easily hide I don't have much money But boy if I did I'd buy a big house Where we both could live 
WNBF and WNBF.com. Good morning. It's Bob Joseph with you. And it's Thursday. Still February, the month that will not end. Despite my requests, it will not end. At least not quite. Let's take a look at the forecast. As promised, the weather has reverted to winter-like conditions. In fact, there is a snow squall warning in effect for the region. So if you're going to be driving, be careful. A dangerous snow squall is uh, zipping through the area. Intense burst of heavy snow, gusty winds leading to blowing snow and rapidly falling visibility. Wind gust up to 35 miles an hour. Dangerous and life-threatening travel conditions because of the snow squall. National Weather Service says reduce speed, turn on headlights during snow squalls. The visibility may suddenly drop to near zero in the whiteout conditions. There is no safe place on a highway when there's a snow squall. Think about that. There's no safe place. Where, you can't pull over. Somebody's going to slam into you. You can't go forward because you'll slam into someone. So visibility and traction are immediately lost in whiteout conditions, so it could be difficult or impossible to slow down and avoid stopped vehicles. They recommend that you delay travel or safely exit the highway before the snow squall arrives. So be careful out there. Forecast today, partly sunny. Snow squall, snow showers this morning. High 30, mainly clear tonight. Low 21, sunny tomorrow. High 49. And right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 25. That's minus 4 Celsius. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Well, it's John from Binghamton. And uh, I was intrigued by your guests. And uh, they are patting themselves on the back, telling them how, how different they are from past councils. Well, here's my experience from last evening. I spoke, and uh, at the end, I, I got up, and uh, I was told no personal attacks by the council president. And... Uh, I, I came back to the area where I was speaking and said, you know, could you, I, I don't recall making a personal attack. Could you, could you uh, please tell me what it is? And she said, you can come back uh, in two weeks for your five minutes. And I, I said, well, uh, uh, that, that is, uh, you know, I, I said, well, could you just tell me what it is? And uh, uh, she refused. So, uh, I don't know where the personal attack was. I do know that there was a, a, a large number of people that spoke pro-Palestinian and uh, pro-Israeli uh, positions, but uh, I, <laughs> I didn't say anything that uh, I thought was a personal attack. And uh, she refused to tell me. And then she said, well, just tone it down. So I want to just tell the people that this is nothing new. Uh, there's something when these people get a little authority that goes to their heads. And I did send her an email. She can Anybody can look at the uh, YouTube. It's sort of at the, the tail end of the public speaking and, and see for themselves. They can listen to, to the, my whole five minutes and see that there was no personal attack. Did I name uh, council people? Yeah, I named them. But so... Uh, 
you know, I mean, uh, these people are, are, are already, uh, well, they're half tipsy with power. <laughs> All right. Well, it's only two months into the year, so we'll see how things uh, evolve in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you. John from Binghamton at 945 WNBF Live. Everybody gets a shot at uh, chatting on our program, so if you have some things to say, whether it's about Binghamton or Vestal or Endicott, Johnson City, Endwell, Owego, Appalachian, Campville, Windsor, whatever, give us a call. 607-772-1290. Binghamton Now with Bob Joseph on WNBF. WNBF Live at 949. Back to the phones. Bonnie in Shenango Forks. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning, Bob. I just want to say, beautiful weather here earlier this week in the 50s, high 50s and then 60s, and now we're having snow squalls today. Just passed through by to where I'm at. But anyway, listen. This weekend is the St. Patrick's Day Parade on Saturday. It starts at 1 o'clock down in Binghamton. And I'm hoping for good weather. I'm hearing we may have a little rain. I hope we don't. Um, you going to go to that, Bob? I will be there. <laughs> Are you going to be there? Good. Hopefully it doesn't rain and we have some nice weather anyway. Um, but just wanted to say they're going to have all the bands and uh, they do their thing. And I've been to it in the last past few years. I go when I, when I can get there. Um, I just wanted to say the drinking stuff. Hopefully everybody keeps it under control. Oh, I hope uh, there's no drinking this year. You know, sometimes they drink. And what I have noticed over the last few years, sometimes people actually drink to excess. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, people refrain from drinking on Saturday. If you must drink, wait till uh, next Monday. Don't drink on Saturday or Sunday. Drink on Monday, and that way you'll actually be preparing for the real St. Patrick's Day, which this year will be on March 17th. Yeah, but anyway, it's the college kids, they get out of control. And I just say it's sad because, you know, uh, the poison lays in the can. And when the poison oh, yeah. Well, and, and what if, uh, you know, what if people drink too much? Or some people will probably even be smoking weed. That's another thing. I don't want to, if I, if I go work. to the parade on Saturday, I don't want to sm smell any weed. Yeah, well, we do. Well, I smell it when I'm driving down the street. and I'm I know, somebody, I know, you know but this year, you know, let's just say, let's enough. let's make a, a New Year's resolution for this <laughs> year's parade. Let's try and see how it works. No weed and no drinking. And that'll help the police officers, the Binghamton PD. Yes, the best, I have to say, in the because whole we, we back the blue. 
Am I right? PD, uh, yeah, I agree. These Binghamton PD, they go through enough. I'll yeah. tell you what, with the stuff going on in this. Oh, city, they're busy. They're, they're busy keeping keeping our city safe. So let's yeah. uh, well, let's show our respect for law enforcement and first responders by not. Well, here's the thing, Bob. They, if you get intoxicated, they'll and it gets out of control. And I've seen them do it with my own eyes personally. They will get you in the car and take you across the bridge to the south side of Binghamton, and they'll take you to Binghamton General Hospital. Well, sometimes they have to. Yeah, I mean they don't want to, but sometimes they have to for for your own safety. And even walk, yeah. and they could get killed. I've seen it. Well, All right. Yeah, I have too. Okay, so everybody just enjoy the parade and no alcohol. Exactly, and no weed. It's going to be America's first no alcohol and no weed parade. I bet we'll get global attention. Every news channel around the world will focus on Binghamton for having the first parade ever with no alcohol and no weed. And you heard it here first. WNBF Live at 9.52. What are your thoughts? 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. WNBF, every weekday morning, bringing you all the news you really need. With First News Binghamton, Don Morgan. Check it out if you don't already do so. Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. First News Binghamton with Don Morgan. Only on News Radio WNBF. Mama, take this badge off of me. Thursday morning. Hope you're having a good time. If you're driving, watch out for the snow squalls and pay uh, close attention to always, always changing conditions. Hmm. SUNY New Paltz. SUNY New Paltz. I had not heard about this. Uh, there's a student event. There was a student event with Israel Defense Force soldiers at SUNY New Paltz, and it drew backlash. According to the Albany Times Union, more than 150 people gathered outside College Terrace to protest an event featuring three IDF service members as guest speakers. Angelina... Palumbo, a SUNY New Paltz student and vice president of the Jewish Student Union, said we want to build bridges. She was speaking at a campus event that brought three guest speakers from the Israel Defense Forces to share their experiences. Meanwhile, there were chants that could be heard from a crowd of more than 150 who had marched from the atrium to College Terrace to protest the event. Many were calling for a ceasefire in the war in Gaza and displayed signs 
that read Jews Against Genocide and War Criminals Off Campus. Some brought children's shoes painted red to bring attention to the number of Palestinian children killed by the Israeli military. Sunni Newpaltz. Inside College Terrace, about 75 people gathered to hear a reservist captain along with an active reservist and an intelligence officer, speak about their experiences in the IDF. That presentation included photos and videos of the devastation in the region as they called for the return of the hostages and doubled down on their commitment to fight Hamas, which they described as a terrorist group. So the story is written by Maria Silva, timesunion.com, the Albany Times Union. The event was organized by the New Paltz chapter of Students Supporting Israel. They brought the event to campus through the college's Jewish Student Union. But again, some people protested. According to the story on the Times Union website, the event remained peaceful with state police and university police officers present inside and outside College Terrace. But it drew intense criticism on and off campus and prompted a last-minute venue change from the student union to College Terrace, which is a much smaller space with only one main entrance. So they wanted to move it to a different venue because of safety concerns. So that was what was going on Wednesday at SUNY Newpaltz, according to the Albany Times Union website. We're live and local Thursday morning with Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now, until noon. We'll be taking more phone calls. We'd like to hear what you have to say about current events right here on News Radio WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today will be partly sunny with a high near 30, breezy, mostly clear tonight, low around 21. Sunshine Friday with a high near 49. White powder was found Wednesday in an envelope addressed to the New York judge who ordered Donald Trump to pay $454 million civil fraud judgment. It's the latest security scare involving people in key roles in the former president's legal cases. A court officer screening mail at the Judge Arthur Engeron's Manhattan courthouse opened the envelope around 9.30 a.m. Police said some of the powder fell out of the envelope and landed on the officer's pants. Court spokespersonnel Baker said preliminary tests were negative for hazardous substances. Baker said Engeron had no exposure to the letter or the powdery substance. Aldi is taking steps to open its first grocery store in Tioga County. The company operates three units in Broome County with stores in Vestal, Johnson City, and Shenango Bridge. Aldi is proposing a store on Route 17C in the town of Owego. The project was discussed during a town planning board meeting on Tuesday night. Representatives from Aldi attended the session to discuss safety, traffic, and parking issues related to the proposed store. 
They are seeking permission to demolish the former Treadway Inn Conference Center and a wing that had been added to the site to construct a 19,600-square-foot store. The original two-story hotel would be retained. The Tioga County Planning Board last week recommended approval of the proposed project. The Illegal Town Zoning Board of Appeals has scheduled a public hearing on the project for March 7th at 7 p.m. If Alder receives the local approvals, the store could open by next January. New York City, New York Governor Kathy Hochul has approved a Democrat-drawn congressional map that gives the party a modest boost in a few battleground districts. The map approved Wednesday comes as the party's candidates face a heavily contested election year in which House races in the state could determine control of Congress. Lawmakers in the Democrat-dominated state House approved the mapping bill on Wednesday in both the Senate and Assembly. Hochul signed it hours later. The lines are similar to the existing congressional map and a proposal drawn by the state's bipartisan redistricting commission. Yet they appeared far from the aggressive partisan gerrymander many expected after Democrats took control of the redistricting process. According to the Broome County District Attorney, Alan Holmes of Binghamton was sentenced as a second felony offender to attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. On June 7, 2021, Holmes was found in possession of approximately 50 grams of fentanyl following a traffic stop in Johnson City stemming from suspected drug activity at the Knights Inn in Endwell. Holmes admitted to possession with the intent to sell. He was sentenced to six and a half years in New York State Prison, followed by three years of post-release supervision. Officials near Philadelphia are closing their investigation into a shootout in house fire that killed six members of an extended family. They say 43-year-old Con Lee shot and killed his brother, sister-in-law, and two nieces before setting fire to the home and killing himself. The couple's other child, a 10-year-old boy, died of smoke inhalation. Delaware County District Attorney Jack Stolzheimer said the February 7th violence in East Lansdowne began when the uncle argued with a 13-year-old niece. His parents fled and survived. Two police officers are recovering from gunshot wounds. Since New York legalized marijuana in 2021, Unlicensed pot shops have proliferated across New York City with limited pushback from authorities. On Tuesday, Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul called on sites such as Yelp and Google Maps to stop listing them and also renewed calls for the state legislature to beef up enforcement powers and penalties. In a statement, Yelp said the company believes consumers have a First Amendment right to read and write all about businesses, even if unlicensed. Google noted that it does remove listings for closed venues. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
Radio, WNBF. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on a Thursday morning. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. And you can always stay connected using the free WNBF app wherever you are. You could be in Binghamton or Birmingham or wherever. Just have the app on your phone and keep up with what we're doing here on WNBF. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll be taking more of your phone calls. First, though, a focus on a special event that is just around the corner. It's the annual Mac and Cheese Fest. It'll be held in downtown Binghamton. It'll benefit the Binghamton Philharmonic. And joining us now in the studio to talk about it is Dr. Julia Grella O'Connell. And welcome to WNBF. Thank you, Bob. Happy to be here. So good to have you in, a, in the studio. I, I think this is the first time you've been here at it WNBF. Is. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. So let's talk about what is coming up on March 14th. I, I know more than a few people who enjoy mac and cheese. Yes. Well, so mac and cheese, right? The ultimate comfort food. And this is our ninth annual Mac and Cheese Fest to benefit the programming of the Binghamton Philharmonic. So basically the way it works is that you buy a ticket, $25 only, for all you can eat Mac and Cheese uh, Thursday, March 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. And we're going to be having Mac and Cheese offerings from two dozen local restaurants, really great ones too, ranging from traditional mac and cheese to innovative, unexpected sort of recipes. And we also have a panel of celebrity judges, uh, including some local television personalities and radio personalities. And... uh, You think it would be anybody I would know? I do think so. Run run some of those names. Okay, so for instance, Roy Santacros is going to be one of our judges. News Channel 34. We have Ziggy Hill from Fox 40. Yes. We have Bill Snyder from WSKG, WSKG. Classical yeah. Radio. Uh, Lauren Del Valle from WBNG's Around the Tears. Yes. And basically, any guest will get to choose, along with these celebrity judges, which is the best mac and cheese, best in category, and basically best of show. It's a great time. Um, tickets always sell out, so we recommend going on our website, bingmacfest.com, and getting them while you still can. There will be basket raffles, there's a DJ, and it's just a great thing to do, especially in the middle of the winter. Oh, yeah. When we need that comfort food. Sort of, uh, (laughs) technically, if you look at the calendar, it might be the last hurrah, the last official event for winter, because the following week, spring begins, and hopefully things will warm up more consistently. Not not where we get 60 or 65 degree days for one or two days a week, and then suddenly we're greeted by snow squalls and 20 degrees. Yeah, the winters are long. So my guess is that March 14th, in my mind, it's still winter. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it'll feel like winter. So that'll be from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Doubletree here in downtown Binghamton. Yes, this is a new venue for us. Uh, traditionally, it's been held at the Holiday Inn. So we've, we've shifted the space to the Doubletree this year. So we've got lots of room and a beautiful location. Excellent. And by the way, what else is coming up with Binghamton Philharmonic Orchestra as you look ahead? So we do three different 
concert programming streams. We have a symphonic series, a pop series, and a chamber music series. And we have events in each of those categories coming up. On March 10th at the Garufi Law PC Phelps Mansion Museum series, at the Phelps Mansion Museum. We have a, a wonderful uh, piano and violin duo, Melissa White on violin and Paula V. Mahidara on piano. These are two beautiful, young, rising stars of the classical music world, and they're going to be giving an intimate duo concert. Um, and then in April, April 6th, we have a symphonic concert, Roman Holiday, featuring some real audience favorites in our classical series, including Respighi's Pines of Rome and uh, Tchaikovsky's Capriccio Italien, which is full of recognizable and delightful Italian folk music. And finally, on May the 4th, we have Other Worlds. That's the last concert in our pop series, and it is all music from superheroes and fantasy and sci-fi film and TV. A lot of fun. It's going to be an interesting couple of months coming up. A few months anyway. And again, for people who are making plans uh, for March 14th, get the uh, tickets early so you avoid disappointment for the 9th Annual Mac and Cheese Fest. Again, that's Thursday, March 14th at 6 p.m. at the Doubletree in downtown Binghamton. What's the website? Website is Bing Mac Fest. That's one word, bingmacfest.com. Easy to remember. Very nice. Julia Grella O'Connell, the Binghamton Philharmonic Orchestra. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Bob. It's a pleasure. Hope you have a great day. You too. And watch out for those winds and the snow squalls. (laughs) (laughs) I need some mac and cheese right now. I think we all do. Oh, it's oh, it's an hour and 45 minutes till lunchtime. Oh, I'll try to pace myself. Thank you so much. Coming up, we'll be taking some of your phone calls. Our number is 607-772-1290. Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF at 10:19. Your Thursday morning live, Bob Joseph. A task force has just been announced in Pennsylvania, so that's something. Governor Josh Shapiro. Governor Josh Shapiro today announced a task force in Pennsylvania. According to the New York Times, the task force will seek to thwart attempts to disrupt elections as well as protect voters from intimidation 
The organization will include the Homeland Security Department, the Justice Department, the Pennsylvania Department of State, and multiple state agencies. Well, New York ought to do this. Does New York have an election threats task force? Where's Kathy Hochul? I think Kathy Hochul ought to come to Broome County this week. She ought to come to Broome County this week to announce New York's own election threats task force. That's what Kathy Hochul ought to do. So according to the story on the New York Times website, in a country already awash in disinformation and lies about the safety, security, and integrity of elections, the task force points to how seriously elected officials are taking threats to the coming campaign. Pennsylvania is one of the first battleground states, if not the first, to announce such a collaboration. So maybe New York can do something like this. Governor Hochul, please come to Broome County. Please announce an Empire State Election Threats Task Force so we don't have to worry about our democracy from people who want to shut down the democracies. Oh, we want to shut down democracy. Yeah, we, we hear you. After the 2020 election, Pennsylvania officials had to navigate a sustained effort by you-know-who and his allies to overturn his re-election loss in a state that Joe Biden had won by 80,000 votes. Mr. Shapiro, who is then the Pennsylvania Attorney General, fought lawsuits, including efforts to get millions of ballots thrown out. Other election officials, including Al Schmidt, a Republican who is now the Secretary of the Commonwealth, and then a Philadelphia election official, faced death threats. Can you imagine... Can you imagine if you're a sore loser, either as a candidate or someone who support a losing candidate, that you actually threaten people? In addition to the task force, Pennsylvania officials have created a fact check page on the administration website debunking false claims about the 2020 election and voting in the state. So... If you want the facts, you can go check it out at the uh, Pennsylvania Fact Check website. Although, I just tried to go there, and it's not loading. It says, error, the server is busy now, try again later. So apparently, everybody wants to get the facts about how the 2020 election went, which is interesting, because... That election was held more than three years ago. You would think the facts by now would have emerged. All right. Well, at least somebody's trying to preserve democracy. Preserving democracy, one state at a time. This is Binghamton Now, Thursday morning, 607-772-1290. Do you think democracy should be pre preserved in America? Or are you sick and tired? I don't think we like democracy. Let's try to do something else. Binghamton Now, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com.
WNBF, Binghamton now, Tom and Endwell. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. I was just listening to like your last little thing about, you know, election fraud and everything. And I'd really like to have a, a serious dialogue with you. I want to go all the way back to 2016. And everything that we know now that back then was all conspiracy theory. Right? We know now that the Democrats spied on Trump and Trump's campaign. We know that. But but what really interests me is when Donald Trump announced that he won, Hillary Clinton, the left stream media, all kinds of Democrats said that he cheated, he interfered with Russia, Russia basically helped him win the election. They went all the way and created fake dossiers, created all types of investigations that we know now. All of that was all made up. It was all made up. We don't well, here's the thing. They didn't go so far as to hold an insurrection. So say what you will about Hillary and company. They never held an insurrection. Bob. We don't even know the whole truth about what really happened on January 6th. The Democrats, we know for a fact, hid everything. They hid the videos. They put out what they wanted. You know, it, there, there's a whole lot. You know, you're saying we don't know the truth. I think, well, I think we know most of the truth about Hillary and company. We need to get that dog and follow follow them around. And every time they say these things, arf, 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 you know. It's like a truth dog she was talking about. So if she had a truth dog, probably most of what she was saying was fairly accurate. So, Bob, on a serious dialogue, there's been a ton of events the Democrats never called any type of crime. The 2020 riots. You had Democrats. Hillary Clinton wasn't involved in the riots. Come on, man. You can't have a serious dialogue with anybody. No, I can't have a serious dialogue about election deniers when you're bringing up the riots of 2020. The rioting in 2020 had nothing to do with Joe Biden defeating Donald Trump in November 2020. Yes, they happened in the same calendar year, but no, there was no connection. Bob, I was talking about 2020 elect or 2016 elections. You went to January 6th. You jump around to get other people to jump around, and then you tell them, well, you're going way off script, you know? But uh, the bottom line is 2016, even though one could make the assertion Hillary Clinton was a sore loser, she didn't encourage her fans to come to Washington in January 2017 to stage an insurrection, unlike the guy who is now known by many as the former guy, he encouraged many of his supporters to come to Washington. And we saw what happened on January 6th that was televised for the entire world to see. No, she used the government, the FBI, the CIA, to go after Donald Trump for Russian inclusion or Ru Russian interference. And if they could have overturned it, they would have. They 100% would have. That was their main goal, to overturn it. And, and, and you and all your other people that call everybody election deniers, it's so funny in 2016, it was okay to say that. It was okay to say that there was something weird going on about the election in 2016. But man, in 2020, 
you're a terrorist. You're you're part of the problem. You're mega this. You're mega that. And you know the the funny thing is this democracy that everybody speaks about. To when they try to take Trump off the ballot, when they try to imprison the the person that they're challenging, when they try to shut him down, when they don't let him speak his piece for court, like doesn't that go against the democracy that the Democrats speak about? The guy always is speaking his piece. There's no person in the United States of America today who gets to speak his piece more than the former guy. He's always speaking his piece on every channel. You, you have the AG campaigning on going after Trump. I didn't say that was right. So you bring that up. I didn't say it was right for Tish James to campaign and, and say effectively that if I'm elected, I'm going to go and and take legal action against the former guy. I didn't say that was right. You're blaming me. I don't think I've ever spoken to Tish James. None of it's right. You know. Well, I didn't say it was right. So here, here you are on the air with someone who is one of the most reasonable radio people on the air in the USA today. And making it sound like I'm some sort of bad guy. You know, there's a lot of things that I just find, like, very weird. I do, too. I agree with you. There are a lot of things that go on that are very weird, including the stuff that the former guy does. How, how can he not change his behavior after all these years? You know, you would think, based on much of his recent behavior, he was only 13 or 14. He should... He should be beyond this stage. He's like a rebel without a cause. Bob, when we talk about behavior, everybody in, in politics loved Donald Trump. The day that he said he was going to run, they attacked him like no tomorrow, and they have not stopped. Again, he's, he's the most unusual person of our time. We've never had a person who plays a character like the former guy. And I think that's why people are confused. What makes him tick, aside from just basically always looking out for himself? Bob, if any human being was attacked the way he was attacked and the way they attacked his youngest son, and it was all okay, they did it on the view. They Nobody said it was all okay. It's not okay. You don't attack his son. Now, if you want to talk about the former guy, Junior, and the other son, you could talk about them. They're part of the business. You don't attack his younger son. He's not even 18. But you can't talk about Hunter Biden because he's a drug addict and we need to feel sorry for him. Yes, we do. He, he admitted. He admitted, I believe, during the closed-door testimony in Washington on Wednesday that he has dealt with his substance abuse issues, and I believe he admitted he had squandered many opportunities. So at least he's acknowledging his mistakes. But we need to walk on eggshells because he's an addict. No, we don't. You're walking on eggshells when it comes to Hunter Biden? I would say not. Every time Hunter Biden comes up, I don't see that you're showing any kind of empathy. Well, my, my, are you? Do you do you actually care 
about Hunter Biden, the person? Bob, I, I really don't care about Trump. I don't care about Hunter. I, I don't care about anything. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore independent voter, and I listen to both sides. I watch everything. And I find it strange that the Democrats can just launch investigations, raid any conservative, but none of that happens to a Democrat. Look at the dossier and all the signatures signed on that dossier. They all knew it was fake. Where are the investigation? Where are the raids? You know, you got you got Hillary's emails and, and documents. You got Joe Biden's documents. They all just, we're not going to charge him, but we're going to nail this guy. We're going to give these guys every excuse that we possibly can, but we are gonna, we're going to nail Trump right to the walls, and we're going to lock him up in court. We're going to go after him. Like, that is, isn't that against the democracy that these Democrats speak of? Well, if he had simply behaved himself, if he behaved like a normal president, none of this would have happened. Who? The former guy. If he, during the four years he was in office, if he spent at least 51% of his time acting presidentially, none of this would have happened. Yes, he would still have his detractors, but he spent so much of his time on Twitter uh, den denouncing people making fun of people with disabilities, making fun of people who weren't as fortunate as he is. So I think he brought it on himself. Like Hillary calling all conservatives deplorable? You even say that word, so... I can use the word deplorable, but you notice I have never, ever, on the radio, said conservatives are deplorable. Maybe not, maybe not that way, but you... You know, even with me, you were like, well, you know who they are. You know who they are. And I asked you, Bob, who are they? And you're like, you know who they are. So who are you speaking of when you say who they are? Is it a race? Are you being racist? I mean, what, what are you? Well, I'll say this. I'm not racist. That's one thing. And you know I'm not racist. You, you've listened to the program long enough to know if there's one thing that you can discern about me is I'm not racist. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, when you say you know who they are, who are they, Bob? Who are they? You know. I don't even know what you're talking about. What, what context you know who they are? You mean the people who, who spread misinformation and disinformation? Those are people who are deplorable. The people who put out completely false narratives and stories that have been refuted repeatedly. That's deplorable behavior. Like the Russia collusion? That was all disinformation. Hey, anybody who puts out disinformation is engaging in deplorable behavior. I'm not, I'm not reviewing every deplorable action. I'm saying anybody who puts out, intentionally puts out disinformation or misinformation, they're all deplorable. Like Hunter's laptop. And there's another thing. Why anybody thinks that Hunter's laptop is now public property, the guy ought to take everybody involved in the laptop saga to court because ultimately he probably would be awarded a billion dollars for invasion of privacy. Like they did Trump multiple times? They didn't steal anything on his laptop. So, I mean, even you would have to agree. Taking stuff 
off Hunter Biden's laptop and putting it on the front page of the New York Post, that is deplorable. They did the same thing to Trump. They didn't take anything from his laptop. If you look at the New York Post front pages, the stuff that they put out on the front page about Trump was all was all out in public already. Okay. All right. Well, appreciate your call as always. It's the story from Endwell making contemporary news. And uh, what are you thinking? Don't you agree? People who put out misinformation and disinformation are deplorable. I'd say that's pretty, a pretty simple statement. Put out bad information intentionally, knowing that it's inaccurate, knowing that it's false. That's deplorable. 607-772-1290. Binghamton Now, live and local on your Thursday morning on WNBF. The St. Patrick's Day Parade is Saturday, March 2nd. It's one of the largest community events of the year in the Southern Tier and organized by the Ancient Order of Hibernians Parade Committee of Broome County. The day begins with Mass at 1130 at St. Mary the Assumption Church on Court and Fayette Streets, and the parade begins right there at 1.30. Enjoy pipe bands, so many floats from our community, Irish dance groups. Bring your family and friends and celebrate the parade. In support of the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Gallagher Baker Attorneys at Law, the Thomas J. Shea Funeral Home, Lopke Rock Products and ZMK Construction, Steam Carpet Cleaning, Overhead Door Company of Binghamton and Town Square Media of Binghamton. The St. Patrick's Day Parade, Saturday, March 2nd in downtown Binghamton, presented and organized by the Ancient Order of Hibernians in Broome County. Come and enjoy the St. Patrick's Day Parade, Saturday, March 2nd. WNBF with Bob Joseph. Let's take a call from Anguilla. Bob, good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. How's the weather there? Uh, it's actually sunny and delightful. I'm staring out at the ocean, and there's obviously some very rich people with some really big boats. I think you have to call them ships, but... <laughs> I think you do. Um, and what, what would you say the temperature is? Probably about 35, 40? Uh, uh, Celsius. In the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, you lead a charmed <laughs> life. Anyway, so you're actually from Johnson City, but you're, you're taking a break from yeah, the I'm, February weather in Johnson City. Right. I'm enjoying your show on the app, and, and I, I, usually, I've call, I talk to you three years ago on January 7th. So typically I don't call until my hair's on fire about something. All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're able to call in now. So what, what prompted you to call after uh, well, more, more than three years? Well, <laughs> some of our favorite callers, I believe Joan uh, from Binghamton and 
Dave from Vestal asked a question when the uh, the election denial trial was set, and they said, "How could you? How could you tell? You know, how could you uh, file charges against somebody against what they actually believe in their heart and mind? You know that he believed he won." And there was a nugget that came from the fraud trial. Uh, Don Jr., under oath, uh, testified that on January 15th of 2021, uh, his dad signed paper to, paperwork to, to reclaim uh, conservatorship of the Trump Family Trust, which he had to sign away when he became president. So my question to Dave, Joan, Tom, whoever wants to answer this, is if he truly believed in his heart he won the election, why would he sign paperwork to take over the conservatorship of the family trust? And to quote Dave, Bob, wouldn't you agree that that would mean that every time he talks about the election being stolen, he's not telling the truth? I don't want to call him a liar, but you know. Right. Well, I don't. I don't like to call anyone a liar. I'm just thinking, based on some of the reports we've had, the former guy knew at many points after the November election that he actually had lost it and still engaged in, in the type of behavior that now is coming back to bite him. I think that's the sad part. I think, I think based on accounts I've read, he knew full well that, that he lost it fairly and squarely. And yet, still... For whatever reason, maybe because he just wanted to give his supporters something to be hopeful or happy about. But I think he knew in his heart of hearts that that he had lost it. And I I think whether whether he wanted to continue raking in money, because let's face it, his supporters continue to send him contributions, millions of dollars a month. So whatever it is, if it's motivated by financial greed or just because he loves being in the spotlight, I believe he, he knew full well that he lost. Right. And, and I mean, Tom was just bringing up um, the, uh, the dossier. And in the Mueller report, it was confirmed that in the course of the election of 2016, his campaign met 137 times with Russian officials. Now, admittedly, he said there was no way, or I forget how he phrased the there was no collusion thing, but I'm still waiting to hear somebody explain to me how meeting with Russian officials 137 times in the course of an election doesn't at least raise eyebrows. I know. It doesn't look good. We'll just say the optics don't look good. You know, and I, well, I, feel, I feel badly for the former guy on one level that that during the time he was president of the United States, he didn't manage to behave better. And then, in ever since the November 2020 election, his behavior actually became more and more deplorable. I mean, it's, it's sad. I, I was hoping after the election at some point, after the initial shock and the pain of losing, after he got over it, say after a few weeks, that suddenly... He would start to behave like um, a mature adult and say, well, we gave it our best shot. We did our best. And in this, this case, we came up short. We came up only 7 million votes short. And so, hey, you know, thank you for those who supported me. And I pledge to support Joe Biden going forward.
you just actually touched on it because it's the fact that he lost. What's the first thing he says about everybody that ever says anything against him? You're a loser. That's the biggest thing that gets up, stuck in his craw right now is that, and by the way, as a registered independent, I didn't vote for him or Hillary. I voted for Gary uh, Johnson, the, the libertarian. Now, last election, I held my nose and voted for Biden just because he wasn't Trump. And he actually lost the second election for the same reason he won the first one. He, he won because Hillary was such a flawed candidate, and he lost to Joe Biden because he was such a flawed candidate. Yeah, no, that's that's what happens too often in presidential politics in this country. The uh, the election is decided not not because one candidate is so much better and perceived as something approaching perfection. Uh, it's it usually comes down to the the person who comes comes up short. You know, whether it's two million or seven million votes short, they're just not a very good candidate. And that was the truth. That was the truth in 2020. And and to answer Tom's question, read just from that last call, uh, the people I find are deplorable were the ones bashing through the windows at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, you know, if that's not deplorable, deplorable, I don't know what is. Yeah. I appreciate your call. I, by the way, so how much longer are you going to be in uh, a nice, sunny, warm environment? I'll be back next week. <laughs> We're just down here for a week's vacation. So. All right. Well, that'll be a rude awakening. And I hope you call again in, in less than three years. Well, I'll try. Can I just leave by paraphrasing uh, uh, Ross Perot? He, he cheated on his first wife with his second wife. He cheated on his second wife with his third wife. He cheated on his third wife with a porn star and a pinup girl while she was just done delivering his son and all three of his wives couldn't trust him, but some people still think they can. I don't get that. Appreciate your call. At, at a minimum, we could say he's consistent. His behavior appears to be very consistent. 1048. So you never know where we're going to get a call. Could be somebody who's enjoying a, a temperature. I was just looking at the forecast there. High today, 83. And the high there tomorrow, 83. And Saturday, 83. Caroline in Vestal, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I'm going to completely change the subject. I'm calling you about the misunderstanding that a lot of people have with the smart meters. The installation of the smart meters happened to coincide with a significant jump in our electric rates that was given to NYSEG. I don't remember what the percentage ended up being, but a lot of people are blaming it on the smart meters. And if they happened to keep their bills from the month before, they would notice that there was a difference in the rate change on those bills. I just wanted to bring it up because it seems to be very widespread that people are blaming the smart meter on the increase. I think, I think you're onto something. I'm surprised that NYSEG hasn't done more in terms of outreach. I mean, to a program like this or to news programs, the TV programs and the newspaper, you would think that they would try to get 
information out to help people understand precisely what's going on. Do you know, do you remember what the in, the actual percentage is? No, um, I, I do not remember. I yeah. remember when they were approved, I thought they, they seemed to be rather high, but then again, I don't run a utility, so, so maybe. Wanted. I remember that, but yeah. I don't remember what the actual amount was. Yeah, I mean. Who am I to judge? I, you know, I, I figure, I figure uh, utilities, the electric and gas company and the cable company, they always have my best interest in mind. So anytime that they raise rates, I don't, I don't get unduly alarmed. I just know that I'll, instead of paying $200, it'll be $250. It's, it's the only, it's one thing I'll say about utilities. They're, they're very You're consistent. Absolutely right. <laughs> you know, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit when it comes to utilities. But by the way, having said that, I am so grateful for the people who work for these utilities. The oh, men and women for NYSEG or Spectrum Cable or the people who work for various water departments. I'm so grateful for the work they do because, let's face it, for the most part, in most communities, we have very reliable service uh, from from our public utilities. And so I, I always think that sometimes people are working for these utilities when we talk about higher rates or confusion about smart meters. I hope they don't take it the wrong way and think that we're being critical of the people who are actually doing the work to keep service going for us because we, we are very appreciative of all the work they do. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. Well, I appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay. 1052 WNBF with Bob Joseph. 607-772-1290. What's on your mind? Yeah, you could be listening at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com, or even if you're outside the United States, you might hear us using the free WNBF app. WNBF, we believe in magic. 10.55, we're live on a Thursday morning. I was just uh, firing up the spy cam here. And I didn't have it on earlier. I should have had it on earlier when the snow squirrels were running rampant here in downtown Binghamton. But now, here in downtown Binghamton, based on our spy cams, it looks like the sun has emerged and... At least outside the Binghamton Now Tower, everything is copacetic. They put up a new sign across the street. Did you see that? The uh, the sign people from Endicott over on the north side, the people that run their sign operation out of the north side fire station in Endicott, they were 
put up the new sign. I, I had been waiting for that sign for several weeks because I saw when they presented the plans uh, to a Binghamton commission. I said, oh, that's nice. They're going to have a nice sign. And then they spent the last couple of days putting it up, and man, that is... That's a nice-looking sign. It's 10.56. Let's take a look at the forecast. Looks as though the snow squalls for now have passed through. Forecast from the National Weather Service. Partly sunny today with a chance of a few more snow showers over the next couple of hours. High today, 30. Daytime snow accumulation, less than a half inch. Mainly clear tonight, low 21. Sunny tomorrow, high 49. Cloudy Saturday, with showers likely in the morning, high 48. Then, just so you know, things will start to warm up. With temperatures on Sunday hitting 60 into the low 60s on Monday. So another warm-up early next week. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 26 minus 3 Celsius here at News Radio. WNBF, WNBF.com. What a terrible calamity continuing in Texas. Several large wildfires are tearing through the northern part of one of my favorite states, including one that has grown into the largest blaze in the history of Texas. It's according to ABC News. One fire in Hutchinson County is still active right now, having burned more than a million acres. Imagine a fire that has burned over one million acres, and they say it's only 3% contained. The flames, which cover an area larger than the size of Rhode Island, now have spread into Oklahoma. And so it's a multi-state conflagration. One person, uh, spokesperson for Hutchinson County, Texas, Deidre Thomas, confirmed there was at least one wildfire-related fatality in a town called Stinnett. Stinnett. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has declared a disaster for 60 counties due to widespread wildfire activity throughout the state. I haven't heard if New York or Pennsylvania have sent firefighters to Texas. I would hope that New York State and Pennsylvania and others from the Northeast would be able to send firefighters to help get those terrible fires under control in Texas. That should be a good neighbor policy. So maybe maybe Governor Hochul has ordered New York firefighters to provide assistance to our friends in Texas. I hope she has, because that's the right thing to do. What a terrible situation unfolding right now in the state of Texas, and now even into Oklahoma. 
Another hour coming right up. This is Bingham to Now. I'm Bob Joseph on Duff. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Partly sunny today, breezy with a high near 30. Mostly clear for tonight, low around 21. Friday will be sunny and a high near 49. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has approved a Democrat-drawn congressional map that gives the party a modest boost in a few battleground districts. The map approved yesterday comes as the party's candidates face a heavily contested election year in which House races in the state could determine control of Congress. Lawmakers in the Democrat-dominated State House approved the mapping bill on Wednesday in both the Senate and Assembly. Hochul signed it hours later. The lines are similar to the existing congressional map and a proposal drawn by the state's bipartisan redistricting commission. Yet they appeared far from the aggressive partisan gerrymander many expected after Democrats took control of the redistricting process. According to the Broome County District Attorney, Alan Holmes of Binghamton was sentenced to a second felony offender to attempted criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree. On June 7, 2021, Holmes was found in possession of approximately 50 grams of fentanyl following a traffic stop in Johnson City stemming from suspected drug activity at the Knights Inn in Endwell. Holmes admitted to possession with the intent to sell. He was sentenced to 6.5 years in New York State Prison, followed by three years of post-release supervision. The giant meat producer JBS was accused of making misleading claims about its greenhouse gas emission goals to boost sales among environmentally conscious consumers in a lawsuit filed by New York Attorney General James. The lawsuit filed Wednesday in a state court in Manhattan alleges that the company claimed it will achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, despite having no viable plan to meet that commitment. The lawsuit names as defendants JBS USA Food Company and JBS USA Food Company Holdings. A spokesperson for JBS and the company disagreed with James' actions. Aldi is taking steps to open its first grocery store in Tioga County. The company operates three units in Broome County with stores in Vestal, Johnson City, and Shenango Bridge. Aldi is proposing a store on Route 17C in the town of Owego. The project was discussed during a town planning board meeting Tuesday night. Representatives from Aldi attended the session to discuss safety, traffic, and parking issues related to the proposed store. They're seeking permission to demolish the former Treadway Inn Conference Center and a wing that had been added to the site to construct a 19,600-square-foot store. The original two-story hotel would be retained. The Tioga County Planning Board last week recommended approval of the proposed project. The Illegal Town Zoning Board of Appeals has scheduled a public hearing of the project for March 7th at 7 p.m., if all the receives needed local approvals, the store could be open by next January.
A New York appellate judge has refused to halt collection of Donald Trump's $454 million civil fraud penalty while he appeals. The decision leaves the former president less than a month to pay up or secure a bond covering the full amount he owes. Judge Anil Singh of the state's mid-level appeals court rejected Trump's offer of a $100 million bond. But the judge did offer Trump some leeway that could help him secure the necessary bond before the New York Attorney General James seeks to enforce the judgment starting on March 25th. A building that originally served as a supermarket in the Binghamton neighborhood is coming back to life as a banquet facility. Celebrations on Park is opening its doors this week as a venue for weddings, corporate events, and other gatherings. The 8,000-square-foot facility is located at 136 Park Avenue on the city's south side. The building opened as a Harris Food Lines grocery store in 1965. It later was home to a Knights of Columbus post. The owners have spent the past three years working to transform the unused building into a multi-use event center. The building was acquired from the Knights of Columbus in January of 2021. The facility can accommodate up to 250 seated guests with a maximum capacity of 350 people. The owners say the venue features a custom-crafted bar along with state-of-the-art sound and audio-visual equipment. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Binghamton Now continues. We'll be taking phone calls at 607-772-1290. Go ahead, call in if you would like to talk on WNBF. would like the midnight train going anywhere out of Binghamton. I'd like to take the midnight train to Georgia out of Binghamton, but we have no trains. We have no trains providing passenger service. Every once in a while, somebody like Chuck Schumer will come along and give us false hope that passenger rail service might return when, in fact, he knows better. He knows better. Oh, let's have a study. Let's spend countless amounts of taxpayer dollars on a study about bringing back passenger rail service to Binghamton. Eh, why bother? This country doesn't have a commitment. Look at this country has no commitment to passenger rail service. It's one of the uh, 
It's one of the sad parts about the USA today that we should have a vibrant passenger rail network that provides timely service, timely, affordable, reliable service. If other countries can do it, how come the United States won't do it? We could do it if we had the will. We don't. So we're stuck. Well, nobody really wants to take a train. Well, that's because most of us have never had the chance. If we had the chance to take a train, if I had a chance to take the train to the city, I'd probably be in the city at least once or twice a month. I just don't like personally driving to the city or driving in the city. But if, if we could get to Manhattan from Lewis Street without much trouble, that's probably where I would be several times a year. But, oh well. I was born at the wrong time for that. Let's take a phone call. WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's Jean from Vestal. Morning, Jean. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'd like to take a train. It would be neat to take a train to New York. Yeah, too bad the federal government won't provide <laughs> the kind of necessary subsidies. Look at how much money the federal government provides to subsidize air transportation and um, vehicle, motor vehicle transportation. We spend billions or zillions of dollars a year, but we spend um, very, very little for passenger rail service. Yeah, unless you're Joe Biden, you know, going to Washington. Absolutely. Delaware. Absolutely. That's because he's special. Yeah. Um, I'm calling... Mainly because I wanted to know if you heard anything about Catherine Herridge, the reporter. Yeah, I heard she got fired. And uh, I heard there are some serious concerns about what CBS News is going is doing with Catherine Herridge. I, I don't know the whole story. Has Catherine Herridge actually made a statement since she got fired by CBS News? She's probably been advised to keep quiet or she'll be thrown in jail. Well, she wouldn't be thrown in jail, but there might be something in her CBS News contract that says she can't speak disparagingly of her former employer. There are a lot of of employers who put language like that into contracts, and if that was included in her CBS News contract, which it probably was, she probably doesn't want to get sued by CBS. Right. She's not going to go to jail. What about the guy from The Blaze? I don't know. What did he do? He's doing his investigation. And why is he in jail? That's the question. I don't know. What did they charge him with? I don't know what they charged him with, but they grabbed him and nabbed him and put him in jail. Well, I don't know what his story is, but Catherine Herridge is, is safe. She's not, she's not going to wind up in jail. I think he was getting too close to the truth on January 6th, the other truth. Which would be? The bombs, or the so-called bombs, I don't know if they're real bombs or not, that were planted at the RNC and the DNC. So you're there saying you're saying he's in jail? Yeah. What's his name? I the have FBI, to look this up. Wait, I have to, what's his name? You look up, just look up the blaze. I can't remember his name right this second. 
I'm thinking of Catherine Harridge. Now, she Catherine Harridge has nothing to do with the blaze. No, no. She works for CBS News until she got fired. She's also a, you know, a journalist, investigative reporter, and he's an investigative reporter. And people who are doing investigations are getting too close to the truth. Well, he must have done something are bad. If, if he wound no, up in jail, so. they, they had to charge him with something. Do you, mm, I don't know. Look up the blaze. It'll be there. It'll say, you know, investigative report. This was just a few days ago. All right, I'm looking it, it up. It says, it says uh, Steve Baker has been notified by the yeah. FBI that he's going to be charged for his work covering the protest and riot at the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Right. So that Why was in December. So, so has he surrendered? I think he went in, but then they released him and they grabbed him again. I, I think it happened twice. Like, he went in, they let him go. I don't know what happened, but he's back in. Like, they. this is the FBI, which has been weaponized by this administration, at least the higher-ups. I'm trying to find out. I'm trying to find out if yeah. he's actually in jail. I, I don't, mean, it's I don't, scary. I don't I mean, see anything that I'm looking to see if he's actually in jail. I don't. You saw a picture of him in jail? I didn't see a picture of him. They don't send me pictures of people in jail. I don't see anything so far. I see nothing that says mm-hmm. he's in jail. But you, you saw a story that he's in jail. Yeah, he's back, back arrested by the FBI. Yeah, that's what I read. Could be right, could be wrong. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to investigate. Well, I don't know. But I do believe. Let, let me know if you find out a, if you find a story that says he's in jail, because I am finding okay. no story that indicates Steve Baker's in jail. Okay, but what about um, Catherine Harris? Aren't you a little nervous that people are, you know, locking down her office and looking into her sources? Well, maybe you that. Know, well, who knows? Don't maybe you have confidentiality. Maybe. I mean, this right. Is, well, maybe this that, is like, but, but maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. We don't know because we haven't heard from Catherine Harridge. We, we've heard from some people who claim to know what's going on, but since we don't know from her, when she comes out and tells us, even if there's something in her contract with CBS News about not disparaging her former employer, it would not be disparagement if she tells the truth. And so when Catherine Harridge comes out and tells us the facts, I, then then I can make a decision. I, I don't know because the last thing I know, well, here's the New York Post story. It says C, it's an exclusive, New York Post. And this was posted on Tuesday afternoon. CBS News boss who signed off on firing Catherine Harridge to get free speech award. So the... CBS News boss will get a free speech award. And that's a New York Post exclusive. I'm not sure what that has to do with the price of tea in Nineveh. But, mm. you know, whatever. But, I mean, it's a, I mean, kind of strange. I mean, she is reputable. Everybody, you know, praised her for leaving Fox News to go over to CBS. And this well, is how they're treating a real I don't report. think she left. She, left Fox. she didn't she didn't leave yes, Fox did. News will, willingly. She got fired. No, no. No, I don't think so. I think she left. Well, let she me left. see. Let she me see it what it says. Toxic. Yep. She herself left. All right. I thought she got fired by the Fox. Mm-mm. Anyway. No, no, no. So if Catherine Harridge wants to straighten it out, 
she should call into the program and explain what happened. <laughs> because I'm serious. I think she's afraid. I of think what? She's afraid. Of because who? of what's happening. With anybody who's trying to report oh. anything gets stomped out. I agree with Tom. Tom from Endwell. No. 100%. No. Oh, I do. Well, I mean, Tom, you can no, you can agree Bob with Tom. Pencil. You can agree mm-hmm. with them, but I'm saying Catherine Herridge is fine, but she needs to stop watching people speculate and come out, come on to a good program like this, and just tell it like it is. Tell us, tell I America. Hope she I hope I she hope does she too. Does. I'm I'm tired of waiting. I want to know the truth. I do too. Okay, so stay tuned. We'll get we'll get the truth when she calls in. I'll ask her a few questions because I'm very concerned. I am too. All right. Because that better not be true. What they're saying about CBS News, that better not be true. Because that was a reputable news organization back in the day. (laughs) Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Sarah, Sarah from Kirkwood. Yeah, what's going on? Uh, just wanted to mention, if everybody doesn't know, that the wife over, uh, well, it's down below Conklin Ave, well, near Conklin Ave, uh, it's closing down. Um, and yeah, I, I did, I did a, a global exclusive report on that a couple weeks ago. We were the first with the story. They, they were shocked. The, the wise guys were shocked when I got over there. They said, how did you get, find out so fast? I said, because that's what I do. Yeah, well, I don't understand why. I asked one of the employers that works there, a manager, and he just said the owner, Mr. Akel, it's Mr. Akel still, uh, just didn't want to renew the lease or whatever. And I just don't understand. It's going to make it very hard and difficult for the people that live here in the area that come to this location. It's been here for years. So I don't understand. Well, I don't understand why the Akels wouldn't renew the lease unless they have a new tenant coming in. Well, anyway, I don't care for Mr. Akel personally. We had a verbal confrontation here back this uh, fall. Well, you better watch out because he listens to the program. I don't care if he listens. Because well, be nice. Be nice to people. Good demander. Well, be nice to people. So maybe he has a, another business lined up. For all we know, he's got a deal lined up with Wegmans. But I do. I'm saying I want everybody to know that. I know. I ran the story a month ago. I, I ran the story February 1st. Why is preparing to shut down Binghamton store? So, yeah, we talked about it uh, yesterday and today on the program with Mayor Cram and with the uh, members of Binghamton City Council because that's terrible. That's terrible for that store at 307 Conklin Avenue to shut down. Yep. So we'll have a big party in the parking lot. I don't care if all of the stores go out of business, to be honest. So I'm going to go. I'll talk all to you right. I don't like Thanks. Yeah. No, well, that's, uh, that's a real, that's a darn shame that they would shut it down. But, hey, the Akels own the property, so if the lease is up, for all we know, they're going to announce at Wegmans. Can you imagine Wegmans on the south side? Now that, that would be big news. So stay tuned. I didn't say it would happen. I said if it happens, that would be big news. So if if the people who own the property at 307 Conklin Avenue didn't renew the lease, and I don't know that that's the case, to hear Wise tell it, they decided to close the store on their own, but they didn't say why they're closing, so who knows.
who knows? They're keeping they're keeping it all very secret. So maybe they maybe they have a big plan. Maybe the wise guys will do something bigger and better. For all we know. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. Good morning. This is DJ. Hey, I wanted to call you and ask you to, along with myself, let's examine our situation, okay? We went from 66 degrees yesterday to 26 degrees as we speak. What is going on with this weather? The usual. This happens happens every winter. Oh, does it? Sure. Yeah, you know, uh, you're right. We get about three days of niceness in November, December, January, because I've, I've always, I've had three motorcycles, and I've always ride, ride them about three or four times a month in the freezing cold months. But anyway, what's going on? What are people talking about? There's a parade on Saturday. Where is that going to uh, occur at, Bobby? They're going to have Tell a parade. Something. It'll be on Court Street. Okay. Who's the celebrating? Who's the... Uh, I don't. I, I, I'm not. Inv- I, I'm just going to be there. I'm not an organizer, so they'll they'll have a parade. And I guess, I guess we talked earlier this morning. For the first time ever, people aren't going to drink and they're not going to be smoking weed. So I think that's uh, a step in the right direction. Okay. First of all, I dispute that uh, argument because I'm sure I'll be stepping on broken Jack Daniels bottle of glass and I'll be smelling skunks all over Core Street. So, because it happens every year, as they say in Puerto Rico. Hey, listen, um, are you going to be driving the van, the WNBF van? I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. I gosh, I hope so. Me too. I mean, I'll be. You know, who, who who would who would be a better person to drive the WNBF vehicle than me? I would think. I would think. That as a courtesy, they would they would let their favorite talk show host drive the vehicle. But oh, I know who that you talking about Dan Morgan that does the news in the morning. Is he going to be riding with you? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're not going to make announcements ahead of time. I like the guy that, that he has the voice of, of the basketball voice. He says, "How about them Bearcats, huh?" Roger Neal, he'll be riding with you. How about them Bearcats, huh? They're going to be in the championship. I think the women won the other night. <clears throat> did the women win the other night, Bobby? I don't know. They call did. call Roger and ask. I don't know. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing uh, something else. I, you know, is, is it wrong for me to do other stuff? Well, I really enjoy your podcast. I wonder what happened to Kelly. What was Kelly's first name that had the pot, the baseball podcast? And he became the manager of the station. Was it Mark Kelly or Tom Kelly or no no Tom Kelly Machine Gun Kelly, yeah Machine Gun Kelly yeah I don't know I think he's yeah I think he's working for the Padres now. Uh, Yeah, he was a big Padres fan. He uh, I think he I remember I think his dream I think his dream (laughs) was to go to work for San Diego. So so hopefully appreciate your call. Thank you. It's eleven twenty seven. W NBF Radio, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. More calls are coming up, so if you can find a payphone that's working, call 607-772-1290.
From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. It's Binghamton now, everyone's a winner. We're making our fame. Eleven thirty, WNBF Binghamton, your quiet island. And Taylor Swift is really, really taking some chances, don't you think? Let's go back to the phones now. Vinny from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Um, hey, you know, I, I, I got to share this with you. I was talking to a friend yesterday on the phone, and he was talking about, um, we're talking politics and stuff like that. And he mentioned, too, he's got some friends that have friends that are big Trumpers. He's down there at Bradford County. And, oh, my God, that's, a, that's, another, that's another subject another time. Bradford County in Pennsylvania, all Trump country. And they were talking about the election was stolen. And I told them, I said, listen, I said, the, the, the last thing the election deniers should do or they should understand is that the Democrats are the last people in this country. You need to be uh, talking about having an election stolen because you guys are the masters of it. And all you have to do is go back to 2000 election with George Bush and Al Gore. Pull up anything you've seen on that. And what a disaster. And the same same thing that um, the, uh, let's see, I think advisor at the time for Al Gore, that was uh, James Baker. Same thing he said when he landed down there in Florida. And he saw what a mess it was. He goes, this is going to have to go to the Supreme Court. And why? Because the Supreme Court of Florida, states' rights, the Supreme Court of Florida saw that what a mess this was. We have to do a recount. We're going to stretch this thing out for another six days, and we're going to do a recount because we're talking about the president of the United States. Supreme Court comes in and says, no, you're not. There will be no more recount. That's done. That's what you call a stolen election. Okay, all you election deniers, that's what is called a stolen election, and Al Gore lost it by 560 votes. So here's the question. How come Al Gore didn't call for an insurrection after that debacle where he clearly was the winner, but in the end, the grand prize went to the guy who came in second. How come he didn't propose an insurrection? Because he loves this country, and it's about the country, not about him. 
That was easy, Bob. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, that's what I figured, but I I wanted to put it out there. I didn't want to yeah. assume. So so next time you hear these next election deniers calling, you guys, you you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue what it is. We'd have one state. That's all he had to win. Twenty five electoral votes. Oh, and by the way, Al Gore, although he won the popular vote by over half a million, he lost the two most important. He lost Florida by five hundred and sixty votes, and he lost the Supreme Court. Because them old old bricks like Clarence Thomas, all them guys were the ones. They they were on there then. Wow, no that's surprise. I, I mean, of course, Clarence Thomas would. I mean, and Bob, that's that, that's why know. when we talk about, I'm sorry, when we talk about um, term limits, we have it on the presidency, and we should have it on the Supreme Court now. We wow. should have it on the Supreme except, Court, except for Clarence Thomas. I say he should be grandfathered in. But for the rest, for the other eight justices, I say they should be allowed to serve only three more years. I, I agree. Because and Clarence Thomas, though, could be like, what do they call it, uh, Justice Emeritus. So he could stay. I mean, he still gets to vote, but he, he would be the one that they would allow. And they would have the, they could say, because now sponsorships are big, they could have uh, a sponsorship with a major soda company, and they could call it the cola seat in the Supreme Court, and that would help yep. defray some of the operating costs of, of the Supreme Court. And, and Clarence Thomas, which is interesting. Clarence Thomas, to me, is a very interesting person because for the most part, during Supreme Court arguments... He just sits there. He never, I mean, virtually never. Now, now there are there have been uh, a couple of notable exceptions, but typically he never asks questions. Whereas, you know, if I was a Supreme Court justice, yep. I would be always yep. asking a few hundred questions. They would be all of my fellow justices and the attorneys and the plaintiffs and defendants and everybody would be like, Get that Justice Joseph to knock it off. After about 800 questions, we all want to go home. And and Clarence Thomas well, is just the opposite. He rarely asks a question. I think, I think it was a front-page story in the New York Times a couple years ago when Justice Thomas asked a question during during a Supreme Court argument. They were wondering if he was okay. Oh, oh I know. Well, hey, Bob, I <laughs> I told you about this. Guy. I know. I know. It. You know, that's who we ought to get on, Anita Hill. Oh, my God. Hey, Bob, I got one more prediction, too. Oh, sure. When Joe, when Joe Biden wins, um, well, I shouldn't say prediction, but I, I, hope, I hope he does this. Joe Biden wins in November. I think the first person that I would let go and replace would be um, Merrick Milktoast Garland. He will be gone. All right. Well, that's probably okay. not a bad idea. I'm going to tell you because... You know who we should replace him with? No, that I haven't, I haven't decided. Well, I've just decided. This is, this is if Joe Biden asked me who I would recommend uh, be uh, nominated for that important position, I would say Tish James. Interesting. That's yeah. Interesting. Hey, you know what? Get this. I heard this on, on some of the stations I listened to. Um, Harris, Supreme Court. Yes, that's a good choice, too. So two things. Yes, uh, Tis James, for because Merrick Garland, you know, obviously, he, he probably wants to write a book by now. So when he, when he needs to be let go, then Tis James, and then um, 
Kamala Harris for the Supremes, I'd, I'd say that's a win-win. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think that that's, that's my prediction. I'll have All to right. get on the phone with Joe. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, you never know. Life is strange. And the thing about Tish James, the question is, would she accept if Joe Biden said, hey, I have this idea. Now don't answer right away. I'm just going to run this by you. You don't have to let me know right now, but take a couple days to think about it. Would you like to replace Merrick Garland? And Tish James would probably say, you know, I'm having so much success here as New York State Attorney General. Let me get back to you. I appreciate the offer, but why don't you give me a week to consider the pros and cons? Now that, that would be extremely interesting. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Bob, Robin Port Crane. Hey, what's up? Oh, not much. I was just listening to you and uh, Vinny talk there, and the one thing that he still doesn't get, this is not a left-right, partisan, Republican-Democrat thing. This is the unit party that took George W. Bush, and that, that they only... They only had to take George Bush to put him in there because of his daddy's pledge of a new world order. He was selected for that. So it's the Uniparty. It's the party of perpetual war. And that's who's in charge now. And I mean, the other thing was that Jake Sullivan character. It just came out. I can't remember where I saw that. It was Frank's speech. I believe it was Frank's speech or LindellTV.com. And it was Jake Sullivan there. He ordered that letter that said that Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation with those 55 intelligence agents signed, even though they knew the laptop was real because the FBI had it for over a year. And anyone can see the real crimes on it. Right, but why Why did they release stuff that was on his laptop to the New York Post? It's evidence of crimes. Right, so if it's evidence, potential evidence of alleged crimes, why... Why does that stuff wind up on the front page of the New York Post? Well, because somebody has to talk about it because the New York Times and the, and the New York or the Washington Post are absolute garbage when it comes to actual news. It's all propaganda. Well, they're trying. But I don't think invading the privacy of Hunter Biden was the way to go about it. Well, I don't think recording your own, yourself doing crimes like snorting, snorting coke off of hookers and you know, underage girls and all that. That's not a good thing to videotape if you're if you're into that sort of crazy stuff, you know? Well, that's what they call poor choices, but it should never, should never have been released publicly. Anyway, I appreciate your call. It's 1139 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name is Chris calling from Endicott. Hey, what's up? Today? Well, quick question. I And I'm looking. I'm surfing the Internet right now. Where and when did Trump call for an insurrection? That's the hard part I'm having with this whole thing. I can't see that anywhere, anywhere where he called for an insurrection. Yet everyone throws that around as if it's an actual fact. And it's not. I can't find it anywhere. Well, we'll determine that at trial. That's why they hold trials. And that's why ultimately, you know, when, if it comes to trial... That'll be up to the government to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that based on his actions, his public actions, his uh, statements made in public 
Also things he tweeted after the November 2020 election will be up to the prosecutors to try to make a case and convince a jury of the former guy's peers. Yeah, I certainly, I, I certainly caught all that. You mean the former president. But, yeah, I, I caught all that. Yeah, my, I mean, my point is I haven't prejudged. I haven't prejudged. I hope they call me to be on the on the jury. You said you haven't prejudged or you haven't prejudged? I have not prejudged. I don't know if he's guilty of any crime. Well, I certainly don't. I, I don't think Yeah, I mean, let's face it. At trial, a lot of information will be introduced to the jury, most likely, including things we haven't seen yet. So I hereby volunteer to be on that jury if the case does go to trial. And I pledge to you and to all Americans that I, I would judge the case only, only based on evidence that's presented at trial, not based on previous news reports, not based on any conversations I've had on the radio, just based on what evidence would actually be presented by the prosecutors and also what information might be presented by his defense. Yeah, again, it, I don't think it'll ever get to that. Well, I don't know if it will. I, You know, Lordy, I hope it does. I mean, to settle it once and for all, wouldn't it be great to have that trial going on? I think it'd be important to have it going on. But that's on. why I think it should, for all Americans, for for his supporters and also for those who don't support him, just get it settled once and for all. Yeah, I'd like that. I don't think, it, well, I guess the reason I, I, I say this is because I've been, I've heard it, and you said it. Well, he didn't call for an insurrection. Well, we don't know that. He was never charged with I don't want to talk about Trump. And you said Al Gore didn't. We don't know what Gore did. Just no one made an accusation. We don't know anything about this. Well, to the best of my knowledge, based on all publicly available information, we, we see no evidence that Al Gore was calling for his supporters to go to Washington in January like the former guy did when he was still a guy before he was kicked out of the White House because the American public fired him. But when he was still in the White House, he was encouraging his supporters to go to Washington, and he said it would be wild. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, like I said, I look at that, I saw tweets and things, and I thought, so far, none of this stuff's holding any water. But Well, it's not up to you or me. It's up to the 12 members of the jury. Yeah, and like I said, I doubt it'll get there. But anyway, I just wanted to clarify okay. that because, again... Too many people are calling up as if it's a fact and it's, it's anything but it. Oh, we're just talking opinion now. Everybody's entitled to his or her opinion. And that's all it is. I mean, in the eyes of the law, he's innocent at this point when it comes to allegations that he tried to encourage the insurrection. Nothing's been proven. It's going to be up to the government. If the government wants to proceed, we'll see what happens. And by the way, if there's a trial, it really should be televised from beginning to end. Every aspect, you know, when he testifies, which he will, you know he would if there's a trial, you know he would testify in his own defense. Every part of the trial ought to be televised live. It ought to be on live radio so everybody can hear the, the trial and decide for themselves. You're listening to Binghamton Now. On WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. WNBF, Binghamton now, 1145. 
on a Thursday. Phil from Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello, Bob. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you, Phil? I'm, I'm wonderful. I, I just, uh, real quick, just want to call you out. Um, you say you have not prejudged the insurrection. You frequently, frequently call him an insurrectionist. So how have you not prejudged him? Well, that's an opinion right now. It's not... It's, it's not. So, yes, in my opinion, based on information that's been made public so far, it certainly would appear he's he's America's most notorious insurrectionist. Yes, it would appear. But going forward during a trial, I would uh, you know, wipe the slate clean. It'd be like a magic. What do they call it? A magic slate. So everything that I've heard would be disregarded. And then I would focus only on what's introduced at trial. Okay. Well, we've heard a lot about Biden, too, but you never called him a criminal. Well, I don't feel compelled to. You know, he, for one thing, his behavior is far, far superior than the behavior of the former guy. Maybe that's, maybe that's a reason why so few people regard Joe Biden as a likely criminal, whereas the former guy, his behavior sort of precedes him. Okay. You know, I can't help it. He's... He's responsible for his image. And let's face it, his public image over the last 50 years is not good. I just think you should make, make it clear that it's your opinion. Everything I say is my opinion unless it's during the news. And then in the news, news stories are based on the facts. But when I'm talking on the, the talk show, I'm offering opinions. It's not fact. You, you, you sound like it's a fact. Well... I think most listeners realize if I opine about the former guy or the current president, it's just an opinion. And, and everybody realizes my opinion is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. It's just like anybody else's opinion. Okay. Yeah. I, hey, I don't, I don't want people to switch. Don't switch your views based on anything I say on this program. This is just a guy who's talking with people. I'm just here. They pay me for three hours to answer the phone and talk with people. Okay. I just wish you wouldn't call him an insurrectionist. Well, it, too much of the stuff he said and tweeted made it look like he wanted to be an insurrectionist. I mean, if it, go, if it comes down to trial, that'll be up to a jury of his peers. And I would love to serve on the jury, as would you. Well, um, yeah, but you wouldn't follow the rules. Well, I would... I would swear in the court of law to follow the rules to the best of my ability. So, I'll just say this. I've only served on a jury once, and it did not end in a conviction. So, appreciate your call. James from Binghamton, good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, I called in because I wanted to talk about the city council thing to kind of bring it full circle because you put the work in to get all these guests on the last couple of days. But just a quick detour. We're talking about opinions and facts. And, like, if we want to parse out the semantics of, you know, uh, uh, quote, unquote, insurrection as far as a criminal conviction is concerned, fine. But, like, we have facts that are undeniable, as in, you know, Trump calling the calling Raffensperger in Georgia saying, you have to find me these votes and pressuring him. We have video showing individuals trying to compromise voting machines in Georgia, people who have since flipped. Uh, in the Willis case, 
uh, you know, directly connecting Rudy Giuliani and, and Cheesebro and everybody else who was in his inner circle. So, like, I mean, yeah, it has not been proven in a court of law yet, but it, it, I find it very hard to believe that the entire fake elector scheme, which was nationwide, was, was happening without, uh, without, without Trump's knowledge. I mean, if that's the case, then, man, he sh- certainly knows how to pick some incompetent people to surround himself with. Well, that that much may be true, but you're, yeah, I mean, like, you, know, you know, sadly, I mean, look, I don't know anybody in politics or business in in my lifetime who's managed to surround himself with so many people who wound up getting in legal hot water. Yeah, and, and I I wanted to parse one more thing real quick. I I keep forgetting his name, but earlier in the show was talking about like, oh, well, they were crying stolen election in 2016. And like, no, nobody was saying stolen election. Obama himself said we're not, nobody is tampering with machines. What we're talking about is a lot of social media organizations inability to moderate, you know, conspiratorial content, like say Pizzagate, which was straight up libelous. And when you're talking about uh, an election that was decided ultimately by like 20 to 30,000 votes, yeah, that, that, that may not be insignificant but that's not why i called i just i, I guess i have this thing with the the, the the city council race and i feel like it's going to turn into like a year of acrimony that doesn't need to be and my question is like and maybe you can answer this maybe it's a matter of budget uh, i don't know but why why isn't hasn't there been a runoff already like why is this something we have to wait a year to rectify you know i mean i feel like there should be a special election a, as soon as humanly possible to settle it and if there isn't then, like, why isn't the city council with a supermajority now working on drafting, uh, drafting such language so that we have the means to, to deal with it swiftly next time this happens, which may happen because, you know, I mean, when you're talking about districts that vote in the numbers of like hundreds and a couple, a few thousand, then this may not be the last time there's a, a statistical tie that requires, uh, you know, uh, some rectification. Yeah, well, they they should do something because you're right. There will be a next time, so I'll uh, I'll bring that up next time I'm talking with members of city council. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, there wouldn't be consternation over it. And instead, I think a lot of productive talk, a lot of productive legislation, a, a lot of uh, men, healing and mending of of you know fences on opposing sides of the political spectrum in town is 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 being like postponed because we're just going to have this thing stewing over it for the whole year and i don't i don't i don't think it's good for anyone i agree appreciate your call thanks james 1152 wnbf everybody is calling in which makes sense because we are binghamton's live local radio program binghamton now weekday mornings from nine to noon on wnbf Eleven fifty-five WNBF live with Bob Joseph. A bulletin. Uh, this just in. Please stand by for a bulletin. Just in to WNBF news. We have just received a report from Lee. Lee. Reporting robins in northern Broome County. Bob just saw four robins in northwest Lyle this morning in between squalls. Again, 
This just in, Lee has reportedly seen six robins in northwest Lyle. Stand by for additional developments. Kelly in Harpersville, you're on the air. Oh, that's good the robins are here, but uh, the worms aren't out of the ground yet, though. <laughs> so they don't have much feed. So keep the bird seed out for probably another week or so. Anyway, no, I just wanted to talk about that lady that called in in regards to the Weiss market on Conklin Ave. Uh, Akel still owns that. He owns all the Weisses. Um, right, the Akel family. Something. It's their, yeah. uh, they, they own the real estate, so they... they I'm you know. hoping I just thought about this to put in housing there. I hope to, I heard something about it. Somebody was talking about it because I was down that way the other day uh, that works in that store. And don't go down there because there's nothing left in there. The shelves are bare. Well, you know, they could what they could do, they could put housing in it and they could ha call it the giant lofts. Well... Because there's a dire need for housing. I know, within the especially right there area. at 307 Conklin Avenue. Affordable yeah. housing. Yeah, I think that would be a wonderful thing, but we'll see what he does. And, and then they stuff. could say, when, when people wanted to know about where you lived, you'd go, see me at the giant lofts, right? Yeah, when he used to be the giant. <laughs> yeah, you see what I'm, yeah, it's a win-win. So America would win. Thank you very much. We're here Working every morning, solving America's problems on live radio. I'm Bob Joseph. Thanks for everybody who called and all who listened. We'll be back tomorrow morning right here on News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square.